Father God, thank you so much for this day that you have made, for your abundant blessings to us in Christ, for your word that is living and active and like sharp as a, a double-edged sword, dividing even between soul and spirit and joint and marrow. Lord, we ask that you would continue to teach us uh, through your word to grow us up um, in our faith, to sanctify us and that you would be glorified in our lives. We pray that you would be with us now. Pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so as uh, I mentioned in the notice um, last night, this and last week, this is our final catechism class for this year. Um, we're going to break for the holidays, not from church, <laughs> but for, for the catechism class. So we're still going to be having a service um, on the, the Sunday after Christmas. I know a lot of... Churches just cancel that Sunday, um, but we'll, it's on New Year's Eve. We'll be having a service there. And remember, our Christmas service is 24th of, of December, Christmas Eve at 10 o'clock. All right, so we are continuing looking at the Trinity. Um, two weeks ago, we uh, looked at more of an introduction to, to the Trinity. Now we're going to do a bit of a deep dive into some... Um, heretical views about the Trinity, if you like um, this kind of uh, heresy hunting thing, this is, this is your one here, okay? Um, so where we ended off two weeks ago, that we, we saw that um, the, it was the church fathers, in, so the church fathers ranged from the, the second century right through to the fifth century A.D., Church fathers like Augustine, Irenaeus, Tertullian, Athanasius, um, etc. These were the guys who sharpened up the Christian, the Orthodox view of the Trinity. It's not that they invented it; okay, they, yeah, they got it from the Bible, but they they articulated um, a, a biblically Orthodox view of the Trinity and why this took so long to, to sharpen up be, was because of the nature of this mystery. Remember, we looked at this the, the, um, two weeks ago. The Trinity in its nature is mysterious. That's just part of the, the game. And so what are the, the church fathers were, were trying to, to, to do is um, flesh out a comprehensive Trinitarian theology. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit was always worshipped as one God, right from the apostolic times. One God in three persons. The, the, the debates were on, on, well, how does this look? Are all the persons of the Trinity of the same substance? Okay? Or do they have different attributes? From each other, or is there any rank in authority in the Trinity? Um, were they all uncreated? All the persons of the Trinity uncreated from eternity, or were some persons of the Trinity generated in time? So, so these were the issues that the Church Fathers were were grappling with in in, in the early centuries, and as they wrestled with these things, slowly the heretical views of, of, of the Trinity um, 
were, were exposed and they were disregarded and ultimately the, the orthodox understanding of the Trinity prevailed. And this um, orthodox view of the Trinity is summed up in the Nicene Creed of 325 AD. And we'll look at the Nicene Creed in greater detail as we you know, go through these classes. But the Nicene Creed is... is one of the creeds, along with the Apostles' Creed, that all the major branches of the Christian faith um, hold to. So that's the Eastern Orthodox Church, the Roman Catholic Church, the Protestant Church, the Church Catholic with a small c. Because remember, we Catholics too, we Reformed Catholics, uh, we believe the same things regarding the Trinity. And we still hold to, to these um, today. So let's look at these heretical views of the Trinity, because you might be thinking, well, why? What's the, why do we need to look at some heresies that were around nearly 2,000 years ago? Well, yeah, as we'll see, um, with all heresies, every generation, they tend to get recycled. Okay, Satan is, yeah, is pretty boring. He doesn't have, yeah, he's very uncreative. So the same old heresies about God keep on getting recycled generation after generation. So when we look at these, you're going to recognize some of these things. So the, the, the two broad categories of Trinitarian heresy usually manifest in one of two extremes. Either they're going to overemphasize the oneness of God, the expense of threeness, or they're going to overemphasize his threeness at the expense of oneness. So, any preliminary questions before we take a deep dive here? Okay, first heresy is called modalism. So modalism, this view was, was founded by a third century Roman theologian called Sibelius. And he taught that the three persons of the Trinity are actually one person. Okay, so you believe there's no distinction in the persons of the Trinity. Um, instead, the, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are the same person, but are revealed by God at, at different stages in history. So you believe that God revealed himself first as the Father in the Old Testament. So that's why he argued that the Old Testament, God's revelation is mainly regarding him as, as the Father. And then he said, no, then the, um, with the coming of Christ, then obviously then God shows his face as, as Jesus. And then um, once Jesus has ascended to heaven, then God shows his face as the Holy Spirit. Yeah, in the age of the church. Now, this heresy has been recycled numerous times. Um, I think Joachim of Fiori, he also um, peddled this. Um, it's, uh, some folks in the NAR like to, to, to push this. Um, so the, they, they say that God is one, but he, he, he comes in different faces. His, his face morphs and he's someone else. He's the Father sometimes, then he's the Son, and then he's the Holy Spirit. One of the most recent expressions of this heresy was in a, a little book 
that came out maybe about 10, 12 years ago that was strangely enough endorsed by um, Eugene Peterson, calling it the, the Pilgrim's Progress of the 21st century. It's a little book called The Shack. Yeah, this is pure modalism. It is utter heresy. And churches in this part of the world were gladly, you know, endorsing it and giving it out. And even, you know, some of my friends were saying they, they were able to understand the Trinity better through reading this book. I mean, they even made a movie on it. I think it's on DSTV. Um, it's rank heresy. <laughs> it shows, portrays God. I mean, one of the, the, the key things in it is that it says that um, on the cross, the Father was, was crucified. Because actually the Father and the Son and the Spirit are all, it's this, all the same. They, they kind of collapse the, the distinctions between the persons of the, the Trinity. Okay, so modalism, red light, <laughs> huge red light. It's, it's, a, it's recycled as with all these heresies. Um, emphasize, yeah, God has, God has one and has got three faces. So any questions on this one? Clear enough. Yeah. 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 Look, I mean, I, I can't say for sure, um, but most probably is ignor ignorance. But and this is the problem: is is ignorance regarding theology usually leads to heresy. Whether his motives, you know, were pure or not, is is going to be besides the point. He's deliberately on. He's confused people. And not confuse people about some minor things. He's confused people about the nature of God. It's, it's a big deal. So in that, uh, that theory, you could cover horsepower with a different face. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's look at our a second heresy. And this is also extremely common. And I'm sure you... Many of you may have heard of this one. Um, Arianism. Okay, don't confuse it with Arminianism. Okay, that's a, that's a different heresy. <laughs> um, Arianism was a view founded by um, a presbyter in the early church. So a lot of these guys were in the church. It's not as if you know, they were kind of cults somewhere. Um, Arius of Alexandria. Um, so he was from Alexandria, Egypt, North Africa. And he believed that the son was more than a human being, but yet he was subordinate to the father. So he believed that there was one uncreated God, God the Father, whose first creation was Jesus. And then after that, his second creation was, was the Holy Spirit. And one of his, his famous quotes is that 
There was a time when the sun was not. Yeah, there was a time when the sun was not. Okay, red lights. Okay, he's saying Jesus is a created being. Okay, so he said that the, the son was not of the same stuff as the father or, or the same essence. Okay, or he was not ontologically the same, if you want to use theological language. He was of a different being to the father. Um, I believe that the son was the, the logos and the wisdom of God, but that was, that's distinct from God the father. So Arius taught that the, the son was certainly worthy of, of great honor, but he was certainly not worthy of worship because he was a created being. He was not the uncreated Lord over all. He only believed that the father is worthy of worship. Is any. Yeah, well, he did, these guys all ex, got a way of explaining all that away. L-O-V. Um, you know, that's why he, he focuses on the, the Logos, you know, the son being the Logos. But then he's saying the word became flesh, the word was God. But he, the, the, he would say he was a, like a mini God. And you see, it's, this, it's the same arguments that we find with the Jehovah Witness today, which is Jehovah Witness is pure Arianism. Okay, it's unadulterated Arianism. It's old, they've recycled a, a, a old heresy. And so that's why they, they will say that, yes, you know, we, we like Jesus and we, you know, they, they want to exalt him to a unique place, but they will not worship him. And, and then in their Bibles, they change John 1. They say well, the word was a God. Not the God. Yeah, the New World Translation. And the, the Greek clearly does not say that. So if they ever come to your gate and try and convince you otherwise, you're on, they are on shaky ground. They're on very, they're on very shaky ground. Um, the, 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 the Word of God is, um, yeah, does not say anything of the sort. Any questions about the Arians? Okay, well, let's move on to the next one. This is quite similar to Arianism. Um, it's called subordinationism. Now, this is more common than you realize. Okay, it's, it's a teaching that's, that says that there's, there's some sort of a hierarchy in the Trinity. That the, there's first the Father, he's you know, the, the, the main part of the Godhead. And then below him, and very much subordinate to the Father, is the Son. Subordinate in nature and in being. And then down the line is the Holy Spirit somewhere. And one of the church fathers actually taught this. So You must understand that... When we say the church fathers, it's a big term. And some of them have taught some funky stuff. <laughs> okay? Most notably, Origen. Okay? If you read Origen, read him very you know, critically. Because um, of, some of them were greatly influenced by, by Greek philosophy. Um, 
which obviously has got some pagan roots. Um, so read them critically. So he, they, he, the, he taught that Jesus and the Holy Spirit were, were in, a, in, in substance subordinate to, to the Father. So he believed that they were all worthy to be worshipped. Okay, believe, unlike the Arians, he believed Jesus was God. Okay, make no mistake about it. But there was some hierarchy within the Trinity. So that within the, the rank of the Trinity there, the Father is the greatest and then the Son and then the Holy Spirit. Now this subordinationism has also undergone a recent revival um, through a... Uh, especially in the evangelical world, surprisingly. Um, you know, some of you may be familiar with Wayne, Wayne Grudem and his very well-known systematic theology. That's, uh, there's a lot of good in that systematic theology. It's one of the first systematic theologies I read. It's very accessible. Um, but one of his sort of peculiarities is that he teaches subordinationism. And he justifies, he uses... The, the supposed order of the Trinity in, in authority to justify male headship. And so he, 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 which is good, okay? Um, but he gets there illegitimately. And he uses, yeah, a, a, well, he, he, he peddles a, yeah, incorrect teaching of the Trinity to, to get there, which is, yeah, it, it's pretty problematic. So any questions there about subordinationism in particular? Because I think a lot of, I, I wrestle with this, I think a lot of Christians um, have perhaps wrestled with this and, you know, is there order in the Trinity? Are some more, the, some persons of the Trinity more God than others or have more authority than others? Anybody? Yes, Malcolm. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. No, 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 no. That, that, that's great. I mean, just a couple of things to respond to. There's, there's a, a book that I'd really recommend that deals with all this. It's a Puritan, uh, one of the Puritans, John Owen, called On the Com Communion with God. And he speaks about how Christians ought to relate to each person of the Trinity. Um, it's excellent. I mean, you can buy it as a Puritan paperback. It's, it's a summarized version of the original, and it's, it's pretty accessible compared to, to the original. Uh, I know good neighbors would stock it, and Puritan paperbacks are relatively inexpensive um, these days. So strongly recommend that. Um, 
Now, the, the other thing here we've got to understand is that there are, we will get to it you know, as we continue in this, is that while all the persons of the Trinity are of the same substance and the same authority and all worthy of worship, there, there are certainly different roles within the Trinity. Call this the economy of the Trinity. Um, so there are some distinctions, and so we'll, we'll get to that. So we must certainly bear that in mind. For example, it was the Son and not the Father who died on the cross for our sins. Yeah, it was the Father who um, called his people from before the creation of the world, who predestined us for salvation, and it's the Holy Spirit who seals us for redemption. Okay, so there, there's certainly different roles that the persons of the Trinity have, and those are are good and proper distinctions. Um, but re- regarding to, to our prayer life, uh, it's absolutely legitimate to pray to any of the three persons of a Trinity. We can pray directly to Jesus or the Holy Spirit even and worship the Holy Spirit and worship Jesus and worship the Father. But, but how we, in terms of prayer, we, we uh, especially we see things, say, with the, the, the Lord's Prayer and, and other parts of the New Testament, is that there is a pattern for correct prayer that we pray to the Father in the name of the Son and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And for me, I found that quite helpful because often where confusion about the Trinity manifests is in prayer. Especially public prayers, if you listen to some folks. And one moment they're praying to the Father, next they're addressing Jesus, and it can be quite confusing. They'll say, thank you, Father, that you died on the cross. And no. <laughs> okay, so it's just so important, even for the sake of our prayer life, it's, it's important to get this stuff right, because it, it, does, it, it does matter. Any other questions? Yeah. Yeah, you see now that verse like that is what the subordinationists will use to say, oh, you see, Jesus, welcome, Janica. Um, Jesus was somehow less. But we've got to understand that verse in its context, um, the context of Jesus' incarnation. He, when he was on earth, he took on flesh. Okay, we looked at this in Philippians 2. He... he um, he left the glories of heaven. There's a mystery about the nature of the incarnation that you know, he wasn't all, while well, his being, he, he remained the fully God throughout and he was omnipresent and, and omniscient and omnipotent. He was, his, his glory, he came in veiled glory. And so, so that's why he doesn't, yeah, we get glimpses of his divine attributes, certainly in the incarnation, but there's certainly a, a veiledness to it. And, and so that sort of statement where it appears that he doesn't know certain things is, is part of that. But he still remains omniscient. <laughs> this is the mystery of the incarnation. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and then... The, the last heresy you can look at is, so all these views that we looked at now are been emphasizing that more the oneness of God, but de-emphasizing his, his threeness. But this, this final 
heresy is called tritheism. And this belief emphasizes the, the, the threeness of the Trinity, that the persons of the Trinity are, in fact, three distinct gods. And so it's polytheism. Welcome, Colleen. Welcome, Lorna. Um, so the, the folks in the, in the um, early centuries who believed this were called the monophysites. And they believed that Christ only had a single nature. Um, and yeah, so they believe in, the, in the dis, these distinctions in, in the Trinity. Um, and a um, modern manifestation of this, anyone want to guess that they're, they're three separate gods? These are the, 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 the young guys who come to your gate in a black suit with a, with a black badge saying Jesus in big letters and they're elders and they can't yet shave. Uh, the Mormons. Okay? It's the Mormons. Very friendly cult. Okay? Very winsome and very, you know, very personable. The Jehovah's Witnesses tend to be a bit more harsh and abrasive, but the, the Mormons... Yeah, really come with the, the nice smile and very smooth. Um, but under that nice smile and veneer of, of, of pleasantness is an out-and-out heresy. Okay, they, are, they believe in, they are tritheists, three separate gods. Okay, it is a massive departure from biblical Christianity. They have much more in common with paganism than, than the Bible. Any final comments before we wrap up? Yeah, so the, correct. Yeah, so the, the Muslims straw man us saying that they believe that our teaching of the Trinity is tritheism, which of course it is not. Yeah, yeah. So it's, yeah, there. Oh, my word. What? <laughs> Nine persons in the Trinity. Uh, oh, boy. Three times three. Uh, cool. Any last ones? Yes. Because he's holy. <laughs> it's how he's been revealed. Let's face it, this is quite confusing. Is <laughs> <laughs> Gary? Yeah, I think that uh, to avoid confusion and to be as biblical yeah. as possible, I think it's good to, to link our faith, as you said, Question four. What is God? God is spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, 
power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. Question five. Are there more gods than one? There you go. There is but one only, the living and true God. Yeah. And number question six. How many persons are there in the Trinity? Um, the, the questions and answers is three simple questions. Mm. Three very profound but biblical answers. Yeah. And if you use the um, the online version, or as I'm doing an offline uh, version, which is free to download, yeah. um, you can click immediately to the biblical proofs that lie behind each one of these statements. Yeah. So read it in scripture. Keep your faith to the Bible and to a correct reading of the Bible. And, and secondly, avoiding all kinds of heresies. And heresies are there to disassociate ourselves from God. Yes. Well, Gary, you've got to raise a very good point, and it's the, one of the reasons why we take the historic confessions of the faith very seriously. Westminster Confession of Faith, the three forms of unity, because we acknowledge that we are not the first people to read the Bible. All these, peop- all these heresies that we've been looking at this morning derive from people who were reading Scripture. <laughs> got to understand that. What we have here is the rule of faith is that we acknowledge that, that learned people have gone before us. The church has wrestled with these issues in great detail. We are not the first to come to this. And what is articulated in the creeds and confessions, the ecumenical creeds like the Nicene Creed and the Apostles' Creed and the confessions like the Westminster Confession of Faith and the Belgic Confession, is historic biblical orthodoxy. So being rooted in this stuff is, is going to, it gives us a framework to helpfully understand Scripture because it is the teaching of Scripture. Let me just read the, the Westminster Confession of Faith, which, see, the, the, the catechisms and the confession, they work hand in hand. So this is going to summarize those shorter catechism questions. So it's chapter 2, paragraph 3. In the unity of the Godhead, there be three persons of Substance, power, and eternity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. The Father is of none, neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is eternally begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit eternally proceeding from the Father and the Son. Now you can spend the whole day just unpacking that and, and sitting. There's a lot there, okay, to unpack. But it, it, it's succinctly, like with the questions from the Shorter Catechism, it's succinctly presents to us biblical orthodoxy. All right, so you've got your Lord's Day reading cut out for you. You can soak up the the Westminster Confession or the the Shorter Catechism this afternoon and get rooted in, in good theology. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that your word is truth and that you continue to transform us by it and putting, exposing the, the sin in our hearts and, and the lies that we have believed and, and sanctifying us by your truth. So Lord, prepare our hearts now as we enter the worship service. Lord, we ask that you would be glorified in all these things. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.